Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. We're going to be looking at adapting retail operating models to the new norm today, post-lockdown, and we're joined by Simon Shankster, Sales Director at ITAB. Hi. You well? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm not too bad at all. It's uh, it's challenging times at the minute, but uh, yeah, I'm keeping well. Thank you. Good. So it'd be good for everybody if you can give us your work background and how you arrived at ITAB. Yeah, no problem at all. So I've been a sales director at ITAB now for two and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I'm a retailer at heart. I've been in retail all my life. Originally, very much operational retail, so running stores, regional manager. I was a productivity protection manager for 10 years. So I've got a lot of experience of, of actually running stores and the impact of effective process and productivity on running a store and the cost of that. And also following on from that, I did um, a couple of years looking at format development, so leading activity and how different formats behave for a retailer and the impact on customer experience and service that comes with a different format. Good. So we're both retailers, so we're in for a good conversation, I think. Uh, Yes. So so ITAB then, I'm not sure everyone, with no disrespect, will be familiar with who you are. They'll certainly have touched or seen or been part of some of the stuff you do so it'd be good again if you could give some background of what itab does so so itab is a a swedish business we've been around for 30 plus years we've got offices across 27 different countries around the world and we currently supply to 70 different countries so in terms of who we are and what we do Traditionally, from the shop fitting industry, I guess, is, is how we would be best known. But I guess as retail evolves in the same way as have we, and over the last number of years, we've started to shift from purely being a transactional um, fixture fitting checkout supplier, which we still do a lot of and, and still do well, but actually shifting more into experience-led um, ROI-based model. So focusing on how we can help retailers uh, create the desired consumer brand experience or increase sales and conversion or uh, reduce operating costs. So much more solution-led in terms of providers. So we help retailers all over the world effectively increase sales, reduce costs, improve experience. And ev- everybody listening will have interacted with some of your shop fit at some point, whether that be buying a cup of coffee or in a supermarket, they'll all, all have been, without knowing, part of uh, the ITAB experience. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think if you've picked an item up off a shelf or you've paid for something through a checkout, there's a there's a fair chance somewhere on that it would have had an ITAB label on. So I bet you guys have been busy then since lockdown was announced with certainly supermarket world and that essential part that was allowed to stay open in helping them figure out the, the way around stuff. Yeah, to be honest, exceptionally busy, really different. But I guess if, if you go back to our focus on being about helping retailers, well, actually, this is no different. So the challenge that we've gone through, the, the needs of retailers, or certainly the essential retailers, has been different. So we've been working on things such as the protective screens for colleagues and customers. We've produced, um, looking at probably around 50,000 of those for retailers across the UK now. So it's been a, a big effort for the team to pull together that kind of activity. And, and that's progressing, I guess. We've started off being very much about hand sanitizers and screens and core commodity things that help drive change quickly. 
But now it's starting to evolve into how technology can help that. So we're looking at um, working with a number of retailers on virtual queuing and pre-booking appointments or custom accounting to manage capacity, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been really, really busy time for, for the team at ITAB, I guess, you know, we look at the work that retailers are doing at the minute and that working in retail is hard enough. So at the moment, all it's doing is just adding more and more complexity to, to running a store. And we're glad to be able to help in our own small way of keeping retail moving. Everybody's praising all the, the frontline workers and, and rightly so. But clearly behind that, there's a whole industry of people that are having to do the things like you do to get that safety net in place for them to still operate so there, there's a knock-on effect to having those or been having those essential places open so we're we're going to get to a point where what's classed as non-essential starts to open so i'm sure they'll be going through or have gone through the same short term how do we operate safely for our colleagues and customers part which you'll play into but if we if we think further forward because we are going to come out of this and things will be different i'm sure as we get further and further away from lockdown medium and longer term some of the things that have been introduced aren't sustainable so they cost too much money to have somebody just there at the front of the store all the time or wherever it might be so there's big financial impacts clearly there's lost sales lost revenue from the lockdown period some have seen a big boom others have seen nothing because they've got no online presence so it is zero income how are you starting to think more in those longer and medium term boxes? And I know ITAB and Rethink are, are working together on some of the joint things, but it'd be good to start to get into that and share some of those thoughts. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways, really. One is that I guess if you take something as simple as shopping, everybody used to know what to do. And it, it was it was straightforward. Everyone over the years has been trained or know how to operate when you go into a certain retailer, you know what to expect and you know what you're going to get. And I think what we're seeing now is that's all upside down. And every time you go back into a new retailer, if it's a non-essential retailer that opens a department store, for example, the first time you walk through that, that front door, the process is going to be different to what you know. And I think that's a confusing time equally for retailers as it is for consumers. So I think thinking ahead, the retailers have had to adapt to this by having to find new ways of being educated to be able to educate customers to how the process is going to work specifically for them. And with that, that's starting to apply costs. So there's a whole host of new roles that didn't exist before, new tasks. The tasks that existed before, even simple as merchandising is a much more complicated process than it used to be because you've got to consider social distancing, you've got to consider handling of products, you've got to consider doing it around customer trading. And I think it's meant big changes for both retailers and consumers and understanding what the future of that is going to look like is probably where the challenge comes in. We were chatting to um, a major home improvement retailer and they were saying that their cost to serve a customer at the minute against what it used to be is nearly six-fold increase just because of the complexity of having to do things in a certain way at a certain pace with a certain amount of distance. That's a huge pressure for any retailer in any sector at the moment. So thinking ahead is we've tried to have a look at how those new roles have come to fruition, but how we can then help essentially manage those roles so what it's not doing is applying more cost to the retailer 
So one of the examples that you used earlier was about having to have somebody on the door that's shepherding and coaching customers to say, this is this is what our capacity is. This is what the flow is going to look like. And that's a task that for a typical retailer is 100 plus hours of labor in a task that didn't exist pre this and going forward won't necessarily be able to be afforded as part of the current operating model. And that's where we've been trying to look at how solutions can help with that kind of task to be able to reset the balance that all of those things happen for customers without it necessarily being another cost pressure for the retailer. Yeah, and I think as we discussed kind of off offline, if you like, the dynamics of all this change, the cost profile changes, we got four key points, didn't we, really, around likely to switch to more online. So yeah. will people's habits have changed and now be ingrained that, actually, I don't need to go out as much. There's a, a risk in going out, so I'll do more online or I'll batch up my trips. This whole scam pay and go thing, which has been around for a while, supermarkets have, have done a good job. Other people have tried and played and successful to a degree with the apps on your own devices where you can scan and then move off. Volumes are going to be really interesting, and we'll, we'll circle back around to all these. It could be variable. There may be a, a second wave of lockdown. Again, if it's impacted by online, volumes in store are going to change. So do I need as many stores? Do they service the same things? Do I put all my pick operation into store because volumes dropped and I've got capacity? And the whole customer-consumer part is going to be really interesting of promotional price bits. Will they be back as strong? Will they be changing? Actually, will it be even more important now and will people buy by the fact that your shop's clean? I agree. Well, yeah, I think it's a real mixed bag. So if we take it all of those in turn, I think that gives us a, a good framework for people to think about these medium and long-term considerations. So let's let's start with the consumer one because that's going to make or break lots of places, I think. Promotions have been strong during lockdown and price because that's the way people have driven traffic online. But when we get back into physical locations, is it health and safety? Is it hygiene that's more important than price? I think that's a really fair question because I think people have traditionally shopped in the stores that they get the best experience, They whether that's through value, whether that's through service or whether that's through environment. Um, but actually, you're right. What becomes important to consumers is likely to change. I think price will always be a factor, but how price is demonstrated will be will be really, really interesting. And I agree. I think hygiene and perceived cleanliness of your store is going to rank higher now than it's ever ranked before. Uh, I think it's likely to be up there with price and promotion as being a key factor of a reason to choose one retailer over another. And again, in, interesting in then terms of your operating model, if we, we take it back to the purpose of the podcast, is that drives cost. So everyone who runs whatever in, if we just think about retail and hospitality, will have a, a cleaning budget. They'll, they'll outsource that or their colleagues will do some of it. If that needs to be done more regularly or there's more deeper cleans or different types of cleaning because – it was superficial before and now it has to be a lot more thorough and regulated. There's a cost associated to all that from a labour and potentially a, a chemical point of view. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's going to be one of the changes that that retailers will face. I don't think I don't think they'll face it as big as some of the other areas. I think it's probably going to be 
um, less of a cost factor because I do think that the, the majority of retailers already work hard on housekeeping and cleanliness of stores. I think it's just going to be much more noticed by consumers than, than perhaps it used to be. Yeah, I think there's two things in my mind. Is One, what can you automate? So on other podcasts, we've talked about robot vacuum cleaners and different types of cleaning technology. Yes. But two, there's also a CSR point of view, so an environmental impact of if we clean more, are the things that you're using to clean environmentally friendly or actually we're just creating another problem because we're using a load of stuff that's not particularly nice? Yeah, and and I think think that's... As we talk about how payment will change, I think you've you've only got to look at things like self-checkouts or touchscreen kiosks and actually the awareness of people touching screens that other people have touched. And you see it in in supermarkets now, for example, where you use there's a a team of people that are doing a cracking job, keeping everything clean and wiping everything down afterwards. But it's, as you say, it's, it's not a sustainable cost that can stay there for the long term. Okay, so let's let's touch on scam pay and go then and self-checkout. We think between us that there's going to be more of it certainly scan pay and go so i don't interact with potentially any devices other than my own or i have a small device that's provided by the the retailer a bit like the supermarkets now that there's a, a method of keeping clean what connotations is that going to have i think a couple of things really one is when the contactless limit has increased I, I believe that that's likely to stay as people just be, um, become more averse to handling cash uh, and more confident being able to, to touch and go. So the less things that you have to touch, I think that will stay. And I think that using your own device will start to accelerate uh, more and more now where people feel confident using their own bit of kit and being able to pay in a, a seamless way. So I do think that will continue to become part of the new norm as it were that we'll see a transition and i think one of the things that we have saw over this period is that actually for supermarkets as an example the average basket spend has increased which is a positive but i guess we've gone through a trend over the the last few years where people were shopping more frequently little and often was the way that people were shopping whereas now we're reverting back to that traditional big shop and retailers are reporting that it's the small basket shop the people that they've been losing over this period so by looking at different ways of being able to pay you're more likely to be able to bring back that small frequent shop whether that's a meal deal for lunchtime or something along those lines you'll be able to bring those customers back so we've had some reports we go back to screens self-checkouts actually went really quiet for a while but since retailers have started to put screens back in to give the customers that confidence that they're not stood next to or in the close proximity of someone else, the use of self-checkouts has started to increase again quite dramatically as a result of that. So it does demonstrate that the right type of payment matched with the perception of safety and security, the two things together is the way that retailers are going to drive the biggest value. And that has a massive impact then on your whole number of checkouts, your payment layouts. I think we've seen a big big drive to not pay by cash in this period so will that mean that there's just more card less cash which has an impact on all your cash handling or your change operations that whole payment cash management part medium long term could be radically different 
yeah, and I think I think there'll be back office process changes that come with that. Like you say, the amount of time that's spent doing a task before may some things will take longer, whereas some things might start to take less. Where you're dealing with less cash, less cash collection, less cash handling, it all has a as a I guess a positive impact on the retailer of a task that you might not need to do as much as, and you'll be able to revert that labour into a into a new or a different task. And I think payment at checkouts is really interesting because the other thing that's putting pressure on the operating model is that because of the social distancing aspect, uh, retailers have only been able to open every other checkout as a as a norm, which then puts additional pressure on the layout and the space and the amount of colleagues that you need and how you would normally operate a store. All of this is is having to be rethought by the retailers at, at pace really to, to try and keep up with it that what's the most efficient way for the customers but equally what's the most efficient way for those in in terms of number of hours spent and effective scheduling and all plays back really into what you went into lockdown with as your vision of the store of the future now might actually be something completely different yeah i think that's i think that's likely to be the case and and we're starting to see uh, the conversation shift a little bit more now into things like Christmas. So actually, what will Christmas peak look like and will it be the same? And how would we cope with Christmas if social distancing was still in place, even if it's not two metres, it's a metre or whatever the, the future holds? Actually, there's considerations now to be able to look ahead into how retailers going to effectively be able to cope with traditional peaks versus the new cost model that's starting to evolve that kind of leads us nicely into the volume part that will remain variable for the foreseeable future so as as we phase out of lockdown and more shops come back online again from a consumer customer point of view i suspect there'll be very different uptakes to what they deem as more essential than than not whether that's clothing or electrical hospitality and those industries a lot further down down the cycle so having a a view or a gauge of a really variable demand has a massive impact on everything from staffing levels from ordering stock stock income stock replen so that's going to be key is to try and get a grip of how do you how do you know what your demand is going to be when it could be massively variable based on second waves of of lockdown or changes in the consumer expectation that you've not thought about i I think that's going to be a a key part of of what retailers are watching now going forward i I think over this period um retail in general has done a brilliant job of helping customers adapt to online shopping and actually there's a whole host of people that have never shopped in that way before that are suddenly realizing you know there's this whole new world out there that i've not been using and it and it suits me perfectly and actually i think it's going to drive your reason to visit a store is starting to change and i think there'll be there'll be an element of people that you know people love shopping and i think you're never going to take away from that experience of being physically in a store touching and feeling and browsing but actually the perception of that's going to change considerably and i think it's that chicken and egg piece that what's going to come first? Are retailers going to reopen and customers come back? Or are customers going to come back and retailers open depending on how quickly customers come back? And there's a there's a whole host of unknown out there for non-essential retailers. And and you're seeing it across the around the world really now as retails start to gently reopen. 
some of them are pleasantly surprised that actually, wow, all these customers are coming back. And others are saying, hold on, our online proposition is much stronger than it's ever been. Um, what does that look like for the future of our business and store locations and format? I think all of that's going to start to evolve as we start to understand what, what the new norm is. Yeah, and I think how comfortable it is all from a cost pressure point of view, how soon you have to come back or can you wait and see where the market goes will be interesting. So all the stuff the government's doing to support businesses, the longer that goes on, it might actually mean that it costs you more money to come back if you're unsure of what the demand's going to be in your shops because X, Y and Z being funded for you. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, you, you watch the, the government announcements daily and, you know, within within two weeks, we're going to see more retailers starting to open. But actually, that doesn't mean that every retailer will open on that date. Some some might be pushing to get stores open ready for mid-June, whereas others might say, you know what, I'm going to watch June run by and I might be looking at July and let's see what the market looks like. And people are going to be making very different decisions, I think, over the coming weeks. Uh, yeah, and I think understanding your workload, your future operating model, your cost base, where those opportunities are for either reinvestment, so you might you might decide to push online, but pick from a store, so you reduce kind of warehouse costs and wider costs, or as you say, I think some retailers will shrink their estate because there's more that's going to go online, so their locations will change to the, the higher footfall areas. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think all of these things though have an impact on that retail operating model, because whether you're picking from store, whether you're serving more people, whether you're trying to manage social distancing, whether you're trying to manage queues in a different way, all of those things have a cost impact for the retailer. And it's a fine balance being able to drive the right amount of sales at the right amount of operating cost. And, and that's that's the part that's that's great about us collaborating together with Rethink to be able to look at how we can use that knowledge of measuring what the new norm actually looks like and being able to help make recommendations for the future about solution-based approach to the new costs that are starting to appear. So I think that's the, that's the next steps of where this has got to go is everybody knows that it's got to change and everyone knows that th- that change is continually evolving but it's understanding how to adapt to the change without it putting too much pressure on the retail operating model and the the store-by-store cost. And I think there'll be a mix of things that can stop happening or can be done by technology or part done by technology. There'll be new processes that are, let's call them tactical, so they're here for X months or years and then will will fade off, but clearly there's a cost in those and do you know how long they take, how much they're costing you? And there'll be stuff that's just different because the world is different and we think about things differently. So we're, I think we're transitioning from a lot of that tactical stuff into the strategy now of where does it look like in six months' time, in 12 months' time, in 18 months? And that then plays back into the previous part of the conversation about what what is my store of the future because it's probably not what I thought it was six months ago. Yeah, I think I think it's true. I think what's the store of the future visually, but equally, what's the store of the future from an operational cost perspective? You know, you you're right. Looking ahead, if there was a future lockdown, there's been a lot of um, learnings of late where retailers have suddenly realised that actually not having an online proposition is a bigger deal than they perhaps thought. 
not being able to deliver locally has been a bigger deal. And, and we've seen some excellent examples of where retailers have started to come back and say, I've got to get those things into place now that should this happen again or different level of impact, how could I keep satisfying customers? How could I keep keep the business moving forward without you know everything being on pause? And I think it's been a, a probably the steepest learning curve for for us and for retailers during this period because it's it's been a, a real challenge and it will continue to be i agree so we pull kind of the, our thoughts on what we've discussed today together and we'll attach that as we push this podcast out so if you've downloaded the podcast from your favorite podcast provider then also look on linkedin and twitter because there'll be a link to download the documentation that itab and rethink have pulled together so appreciate your time, Simon. It's been a, a great chat. I think we know that times have been difficult. We know they're probably going to continue to be difficult and different. So uh, always a good time to have a conversation. The one question we're asking everybody that comes on the podcast is what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? I think the the best bit of business advice I've been given, and, and it, it kind of plays back to my days when I was looking after formats, is that everything that you do, you've got to put the customer at the heart of what you do. And I think you've got to remember that when you're running a store, whether you're operating in a retailer without the customer, you're actually nothing. So I think it's important that you keep the customer at the heart of everything that you do. Amazing. Thanks for coming on, Simon. Take care and look after yourself. Cheers. Thanks very much.